Hello out there in podcast land. This is Stream Police, where we tell you what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly on Netflix. I'm John Otney. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Michael Seveny. How are you doing, Michael? Doing okay. Stream Police is, of course, the podcast where we take films randomly selected through the Netflix randomizer and review them. Last week, we reviewed the 2012 drama Keep the Lights On, which Michael and I both found bland, a little melodramatic, but admirable. At the end of the episode, we used the Netflix randomizer, and we were given three choices for this week's episode. Those choices were the Hong Kong action-adventure film The Touch with Michelle Yao and Dane Cook. Uh, we also had self-proclaimed film festival favorite Happy Birthday from 2002. Uh, I think that was a drama. You know, I checked out the trailer for that actually today because I was like, what was that? What was that thing that came up when we were doing the <laughs> Netflix randomizer? And it looked like the crappiest film ever. It looked like it cost about twenty dollars. I'm also sure we did that because it looked really yeah. bad. But it said film festival favorite. <laughs> yeah, somebody's favorite. It like didn't say what film festival, but it said film festival favorite. It's a festival that they throw every every time they come up with a new movie, just in the director's backyard. And our final choice was the Prophecy Three: The Ascent from 2000 with Christopher Walken. None of those really excited us, but we did some talking on the last episode, and we did get interested in the possibility of doing a Prophecy Marathon, because I don't know if that's ever been done. Uh, But unfortunately, I just didn't have the time to devote that much energy to watching three Prophecy movies. Uh, So in a weird twist, we will actually be reviewing the first Prophecy. (laughs) I just put that together. I just realized that we're not doing any of the movies that we... Uh, but it's related enough to Prophecy 3 that it, it's, it's related enough. Yeah. That's uh, so I think, funny. I think the reason I wanted to do the Prophecy is because I had seen it, but it had been such a long time ago that it was such a blur. Like, yeah. I, as a kid or whenever I, I saw it, I, I recalled liking it, but I couldn't remember why. And it was just interesting that there's this movie from the 90s that does not a lot of people have seen Christopher Walken playing, you know, a fallen angel. It sounded intriguing, so we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But before we get there, I thought it'd be fun to talk about the Halloween season, seeing as is it is now October. Yeah. Uh, Oliver on mildlypleased.com, I usually do a little a little theme month uh, called Shocktober, where for 31 days I review and talk about 31 movies, and that's kind of become a tradition. This year I'm doing the 1970s, and thus far it's been okay, though there is some not-so-great movies on the horizon, I'm sure. Though, just talking about Halloween movies, I was wondering, Michael, if there's any rituals you have every year, just things you do to get, you know, ready for Halloween. Yeah, you know, I don't necessarily have a specific movie that I watch every year, but, yeah, towards Halloween, I usually try to have, like, a weekend or even a week of just watching a bunch of... uh, either horror classics or horror movies that i enjoy (laughs) and uh there's also usually a twilight zone marathon thrown in there somewhere although somewhere in the mix yeah although last year i got really into the twilight zone but um i I went through a big twilight zone thing like that summer (laughs) so by the time halloween came around it wasn't as special sadly but um but yeah no there's usually some sort of um scary movie ritual but do you have any standbys like well it's not gonna be you know october if i don't sit down and watch <laughs> blah blah you know as the most cliche one possible i i always try to watch halloween oh, 79 yeah. carpenter 78 
78. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... A- classic and uh you know holds up really well i or at least did the <laughs> last time which i think was 2012 a couple last year I, I slacked off on halloween but um but yeah that and uh you know some standby twilight zone usually something with a little bit more uh octane you know your texas chainsaw massacres and whatnot yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. That's actually the one I watch every year for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Just because I admire it so much as an independent film. It's such a shoestring budget. And it's so... At least I feel not what you expect when you first watch it. You expect to see like a slasher movie. And it's really not that. It's more psychological. And it just terrifies me. And I watch that, I watch that every year. I try to watch Halloween 2. Uh, not, not Halloween. Not Halloween number two though that one's okay but i I try to watch i will try to watch halloween as well every year yeah and i think it does hold up though it is a little strange because it's it started so many of these uh traditions and trends that you've seen repeated and regurgitated so many times since then that i feel like it makes it a little harder to watch because you're like oh that's so cliche but then you got to think about well it came from this movie you know yeah it's, it's where it started you know it's funny before we started this you're saying that there was a year you attempted to watch all of them, and I'd love to hear about your experience trying to watch all of the Halloween films. What was that like? Uh, it was unsuccessful, <laughs> which uh, I don't even know if, if it's partly just the fatigue of sitting down and trying to watch a bunch of movies that, uh, you know, kind of go over the same beats, more or less, uh, or, if, or if they just just got shittier. Um but um yeah i i was able to watch the first one just fine and i was that got me pumped uh the second one like you said uh not a bad movie but you know it's certainly not on the level of the first one but it's uh it is what it is three i had a great time because i knew what i I knew (laughs) all about three i knew that oh it's it's not like myers they were trying to do like oh it'll be the series will be like a horror anthology thing and I, i was having a blast there was crazy masks people were wearing i don't know uh and then after that it just kind of i actually like ended up skipping five because i just wanted to <laughs> I, I just wanted to get to the one with ll cool j so i just i just went to the one with ll cool j and like i just uh and joseph Gordon levitt's in it too um, oh yeah <laughs> so you've never seen halloween six the curse of michael Myers. Uh, how is it have you seen it well, it just that's the worst one out of them all. Oh, is it really? Uh, yeah, so it's too bad you didn't see that one. I, I think it's, I don't know if it's the screen debut, but it's the first leading role of Paul Rudd. <laughs> you know, and what's what's ter- so terrible, <laughs> spoiler alert, about Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, it's the last one with Donald Pleasance. He's barely hanging uh, in there. He's so bad. old. And it's one where they establish that Michael Myers is part of some sort of, like, druid curse. <laughs> So the reason he's been alive for so long is because of, like, magic. Uh, and there's an evil God. cult in it. And it's definitely the worst one. Like, See, it's worse than the one where Buster Rhymes does karate. Okay, first of all, I I should have just watched the one where Buster Rhymes does karate. That sounds incredible. Secondly, um, that's what, like, every, like, uh, you know, horror franchise, at a certain point, they just had to, like, mythologize it. They had to, like, oh, yeah, and by the way, Jason uh, is, is a demon from hell also. And then, and then with... 
with Friday the 13th, that's fine because it was always just kind of, you know, dumb. But the first Halloween, like, part of what makes it good is that it's so economical. It's just like a lean, very lean story. Um, but, but then, like, in, in the later ones, it's like, oh, and actually Jamie Lee Curtis is his sister. And I guess it, there's also a cult involved. And, you know, how did such, you know, such a simple idea get so convoluted? I mean, it just ends uh, ends up in the wrong hands, and someone's like, "We got to make it bigger." Like, how we have to be able to separate ourselves from the other ones. I think there's one that ends with a SWAT team taking him out and blowing him up, but then he's like, "Back." Team. A SWAT team comes into play, and they can't take down one guy. Yeah, uh, I don't okay. know. I never understood that. I don't know if those movies ever got as bad as as Friday the Thirteenth, though. I haven't seen as many of those ones. I have seen most of jason goes to hell and i have the comic book <laughs> I think it gets funny for some reason i saw i once watched sat down and watched most of jason goes to hell on bet really it's i think the bad guy might be black i don't know it was um not a good one but it's nothing's as ridiculous as uh, jason goes to space with has a oh. small role of david cronenberg yeah i know we recorded this it, yeah david cronenberg isn't there another, isn't there also uh Somebody else in that that's supposed to be surprising. Tell me, please tell me it's like somebody from Star Trek. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> I like as a Let's nod. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, David Cronenberg's in that. We were just talking about him uh, before the show. But yeah, I, I didn't put that together. That's true. I don't. Okay, it is, it is. I've never been sure if it's actually the tenth installment or if they just put X because it sounds futuristic. But I'm pretty sure it is indeed. Uh, the tenth one, yeah, and I'm Jason looking is. for that other other small role. I wanted to say there was someone in there too, but I can't find anyone. Or maybe it's another one. I don't know. Maybe someday I'll go down that road and try to watch those. But I think the first one, the first Friday the Thirteenth, I've just never been that into. So that's the reason I haven't gone down that rabbit hole. Have you seen the first Friday the Thirteenth? Yeah, you know I have, and it's. Um, <laughs> I I feel like the. Yeah, not that uh, the first Halloween had like a lot of uh, negative reviews, but the the negative critics that it did have, uh, I feel like they should have just waited a couple of years to see a, a movie that actually was what they were accusing Halloween of being. Because Friday the Thirteenth, the first one, like I, I understand why people like it because there's just a, a fun to like slasher movies, I guess maybe, but uh, it it is just kind of stupid and just kind of putting you know teens in peril and scantily clad women in pair like it's it, it is just kind of a dumb movie it, like I, halloween shouldn't have had a, a franchise because it works well as a standalone movie but i that makes more sense than friday the 13th inspiring like nine sequels the first one didn't even have jason Voorhees. yeah it's his mom you know it never made any sense to me why Okay, so Jason Voorhees was killed as a kid, or died as a kid, kid. and then comes back as, like, this giant monster in the other ones. Like, his ghost grew up, or... Yeah, well, at the end of the first one, there's kind of like a Carrie homage, homage or a Carrie ripoff, I don't know, where he, uh, everything's okay, and then he, he jumps out of the water and grabs the final girl. So, I, I guess, like, he was resurrected by the ritual of his mom killing a bunch of teens i don't know just but, in between the lines that's there the the prof- yeah, I mean, yeah. that makes sense the prophecy of friday the 13th is that if uh his mom kills kevin bacon then he'll <laughs> come, come back to life yeah makes sense to me i always like the final scare in that that movie actually though that the jumping boy i actually have a um 
an autographed uh, picture of Tom Savini working on that makeup. <laughs> really? The that's uh, awesome. Jason Voorhees makeup. Uh, that's uh, cool. I could talk about that just for a second since we're just going off in all sorts of different yeah, directions. Yeah, talk about it. Um, there's actually really not much to say. It's just I approached him. I had nothing to say because I was so intimidated. He's very, very soft-spoken and quiet, but he did have like, like pictures of him on The Simpsons and everything. And you know, when I go to those kind of things, I expect them to just launch and do some story, not for me to try to come up with something that no one's ever asked them before, because that's yeah. super hard. That's backfired before. Where I've tried to ask somebody about something, and they just didn't want to talk about it. Did you? Were you telling me that? It, who was it they were talking talking to? Like you were you were mentioning things, and like they didn't remember what it was at a convention. Uh, okay, well, there's a couple of different ones. Well, this is this isn't like horror, but when I asked, when I talked to Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, that's said, what. Oh, it man, was. I love that episode of South Park you were on. And he goes, "What?" <laughs> he had, <laughs> He had no memory that he was he filmed some live action bits for a South Park episode. That's funny. And then he's like, Oh yeah, yeah. But I don't think he actually remembered. <laughs> and that was at a horror convention, yeah. That's funny. And then there's a time when I tried to talk to Sid Haig, you know, he's famous for those uh like Rob Zombie movies and all the seventies movies he did. Pam Green. And I, I kinda jokingly asked him about Galaxy of Terror, like, Oh, was that a fun one to work on? The joke being that like um, that movie's terrible. He supposedly had a terrible time making it. It's just this weird, trashy B movie. And he was just like, yeah, that was real fun. Like, he was so pissed off that I asked him about that, and I felt so terrible. And he was just like this old, decaying man who couldn't stop coughing. It just totally oh. was totally <laughs> yeah. a bad experience. Oh, uh, that's rough. The best experience I've had with any of those guys is Bruce Campbell. He's oh, very bet. lively. He talks to his fans. He's yeah. interested about them, yeah. you know. So he's he's great. George Romero is great too. It's just like mm-hmm. talking to your grandpa. <laughs> yeah, George Romero always seems like a cool guy. Whenever I, I remember when I was in like middle school, Bravo during Halloween. For, it was a different time for Bravo where they were doing this kind of thing. <laughs> I uh, remember that. Yeah. yeah, like you, you know what I'm talking about, where they, they interviewed all the horror uh, guys as part of like they would show I horror think, movies and. You know, this is funny. I think this is uh, when they did like Bravo's the scariest movie moments or, That's or probably something. It. Yeah. And for a handful of years, I tried to watch all of them on that list. Oh, okay. That's cool. And I am yet to see all of them. But now it's like, what am I doing? I'm trying to complete this list from Bravo Channel. Does that even <laughs> exist anymore? <laughs> Why am I putting so much trust in Bravo's? Because I remember space. there's a couple ones on there that really aren't good movies that I've had like, you know written down like oh i gotta watch this at some point <laughs> just because it was on that list like pacific heights with michael keaton like yeah i'm pretty sure that's not a good movie it just happened to be on that list so i'm like we're gonna check out pacific heights someday wow that's that, that's kind of an odd choice I, i'm surprised that's on the list not i haven't seen it but like that isn't that just like is that a horror movie i thought that was just like a. it's more of just a generic kind of thriller uh though, though that bravo list did introduce me to some great horror or horror thriller films that I've seen over the years, like yeah. uh, The Vanishing, the original one from Ooh. the eighties. Okay, which is a uh, I don't I don't want to spoil anything, but it's a it's a Dutch film that is about this guy looking for I want to say it was his wife, and it just has like the most terrifying ending. It's uh and it got remade with like Jeff Bridges. Yeah, uh, not as good. That uh, was only a but, few years later too, where they like they there wasn't a lot of time between that remaking the original yeah and it's same director i think but that's just one of the few that i uh i checked out from bravo 
So the vanishing, check it out. It's it's part of the Criterion Collection. Yeah. He oh he recently died, didn't he? Who recently died? Didn't uh, George Slack? Sluz- Sluz- oh, I- you're right. He did to... die. Yeah. Okay. September twentieth this year. Yeah. All right. This Ooh. is uh, podcast. this is our it tribute is. podcast. <laughs> Watch the vanishing. Gosh, you know I could just spend all day talking about just. Yeah. random horror tangents uh i don't Shit. know if there's anything else you wanted to throw in about bravo channel <laughs> about Bra- <laughs> um everybody download season one of project Greenlight off of pirate bay <laughs> i don't know you heard it here <laughs> yeah yeah um I, you know, there's probably a chance we'll talk about more horror stuff as October goes on. I imagine we'll do totally. a few horror movies, so we'll continue this conversation on another episode. Uh, maybe more focused, maybe not. It's it's kind of fun just talking about all sorts of stuff. Uh, but you know, why don't we just cut to the chase and talk about the prophecy? Mary, what? Can you keep a secret? The biggest secret ever. Centuries ago, a second coming was foretold. What did he say to you, Mary? He asked if I could keep a secret. What was that? Something he gave me. But what's coming? He wants something. Something that's here. Isn't what anyone expects. Oh, my God. It's a war in heaven. Over what? Us. Humans. Prophecy was a movie released in 1995, written and directed by Gregory Wyden, who I was not familiar with until I, uh, I I read up on him a little bit. I don't know if you, Michael, took the chance to read up on Gregory Wyden at all. A little bit, yeah. I found it kind of interesting. Uh, apparently, Gregory Wyden is the kind of more or less the creator of Highlander, yeah. which is a script that he wrote while he was going to UCLA, which... I found hilarious. Can you imagine you're in some screenwriting class and this guy next to you writes Highlander? <laughs> and you know what's yeah. funny about that is my reaction has been, what an idiot. Like, this is so stupid. You're writing something about Scottish warriors who are immortal and there could be only one. They have to chop the, uh, their heads off. But, hey, he, he, uh, he turned uh, that into a script and sold it and was successful. And then reading about... His, uh, reading about him on Wikipedia, I feel like there's a big gap that I want to know about in his life where suddenly it says, Wyden worked as a firefighter for three years. I'm not sure if that was before or after Highlander. <laughs> well, I, I would assume uh, that was before because another thing, uh, or, or, or maybe it was after, because uh, he, he also wrote Backdraft. Which was in yeah. 91. So I'm, and I guess that was from his experiences as a firefighter. Because, I mean, after you write, you write Highlander, you don't go back to fighting fires. You're just, it's all going up your nose, man. <laughs> You're just partying on the Sunset Strip. Exactly. So yeah. he did backdraft. And then at some point he found himself doing the prophecy. I don't know if that also is part of his life experience, if he almost became a priest or something. <laughs> Everything he writes about. I was living in Scotland for a while. <laughs> then I was a firefighter after that. I took a break. Came first. But anyways, in the mid-90s, he wrote The Prophecy, which is a film about fallen angels and faith and all that kind of fun stuff. Great for a thriller. Uh, and so the movie opens with... Um, actually, I believe the first sequence is Eric Stoltz playing an angel walking around some kind of desert talking about, through narration, some kind of 
I don't know, Angel War. I mean, how else is a movie called The Prophecy about angels going to open, right? It's going <laughs> to open with someone doing a narration about angels. It's yeah. too appropriate. Totally. But it, it goes from there to uh, Elias Codius. He's playing a guy with really bad hair named Thomas Daggett. And he's about to be ordained as a priest. And right as he's going up uh, you know, to the front with the uh, cardinal type guy, he starts having these horrific visions of angels and just fighting and just all this really scary stuff, and it freaks him out. And I think the way he explains it later is, like, God wasn't there when I needed him. I, I guess God didn't keep the scary visions away. Is what I, That's yeah. what I take away from that. Uh, so anyways, it flashes forward, and naturally, if you're a failed priest, what do you do? You become a detective, a homicide detective. <laughs> Interesting, and I think somewhere in between he wrote a book, too, uh, about angels. What the character? Is yeah, that... didn't wasn't then at some point they like point out a book that he wrote. I thought that was uh, his uh, thesis from when he was in school. It was a he... thesis. Okay, yeah. well it was it was something about angels. Yeah, something about angels. That's what, that's what it was called. After it's uh, revealed that he. <laughs> Became a detective. Uh, he walks in uh, to his apartment, and who's there but Eric Stoltz? Oh, and he has this cool thing. All the angels do this thing where they kind of perch, <laughs> perch themselves, on a chair, yeah, like on the top of a chair, like you know, like almost like a gargoyle, or like you'd see yeah. an angel in a painting do. Yeah, yeah, it's actually kind of a, a cool little image, but it's just it's funny to me that the, <laughs> it's such a like self-consciously cool like okay we don't really have the budget for them to be like kind of floating in the air doing it <laughs> just have them sit on the I, I i dig it but yeah and and eric stoltz his character's named simon by the way uh is uh telling him that uh, there's some uh, terrible things coming i don't remember exactly what what he told him because elias Codius is not you know that welcoming of this character it's all just this kind of stuff about uh evil angels and i can't remember if it was at this point where he ex- he literally just explained what's happening or if, or if we're just given a, a bit of that i don't know maybe we should just try to take a moment to explain what the angel's goal here is what's simon's goal what's simon's goal and then what's um gabriel's goal okay basically uh it, god uh has given uh you know, human beings um souls uh um and this makes uh, gabriel the angel uh very unhappy um you know he he looks down on humans he just uh, he, he i don't know he he wants uh the power i guess of being by god's side and 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 not letting that um you know, he wants to be the only one feeling the glory of God, and not these people that he frequently describes as monkeys. Is the is the slur he uses for humans and a bunch of monkeys? And uh, Simon, he he does what God tells him to do. He is sent to stop uh, Gabriel, and um, and uh, yeah, that's. I think that's good. good it gets enough. there's a little more later, but that's yeah. for the most part what's going on. It's the elevator pitch and i i don't (laughs) yeah yeah exactly i don't remember if if if, uh there's anything particularly special about the the thomas daggett character or if it's just that simon knows that this man of faith can do something 
for some reason. I guess because he knows about angels. So he figures this is a mortal person who who listened to him, perhaps, and help him stop Gabriel. And But, of course, you know, Daggett's just like, this is weird. Get out of here. I'm emotionally disturbed. I don't <laughs> want to talk to you. And then later, he's uh. attacked by another angel called Uziel. I think these are all actual angels from... <laughs> Biblical from text, the, right? From yeah. the source material of the, of the prophecy, which is <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and Uziel is this really creepy... Uh, I mean, I, I can't remember if this was just all the angels. They're all just kind of hiding these features, but he's got, like, no eyes, and he's, like, hermaphrodite, and he looks he's, like, basically like an unborn person. Uh, we find out about that in like, this great autopsy sequence that I'll get to in just a bit. But anyways, he attacks... Daggett, or no, he attacks Simon because Simon yeah. is uh, in his apartment, and, and they they fight. Action scene where he takes, uh, he throws him out a window. Simon does, <laughs> and uh, he throws Uziel out a window, and he gets hit by a car and dies. And then they call Daggett back to the scene to investigate, and they find that his his thesis is there, so he's kind of become like the lead investigator on this case. Okay, so then the body of Uziel is uh, it's given an autopsy in this great scene. Uh, featuring Kenny Banya from Seinfeld. I don't remember in, the actor's character. name. I just no, it's it. Kenny. It's, in in, it's the same canon as Seinfeld. And I don't know about you, but that was my favorite sequence of the whole movie as his character <laughs> is very kind of jokey. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's Kenny Banya. And he's performing this this <laughs> this autopsy on this really weird body and just finding out, out about all these the weird features his body has. I don't remember if... Other angels do have this, and like I said, they're hiding it. They're, like, they're trying to look more human. Or if they just made this one angel super gross, because, hey, wouldn't that be sweet if it looked like a mutant? <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's actually kind of interesting how uh, <clears throat> the movie, uh, the movie's in-universe logic of, and, um, and the, the kind of science of angels in this movie, it's not really consistent. Um like I, I don't understand why uh, Uziel has uh, some of these attributes that you know Gabriel and Simon aren't really shown to have. I don't know. It's odd. It's cool though. It is cool. So, like it looks cool. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I was hoping when I first you know saw these the, these weird uh, defects on his body that is there something anywhere in any biblical text that talks about this, <laughs> like mutant angel monsters? Like, is that anywhere? Well, is there a source to that? Well, there was a spinoff to the Bible called Mutant Angel Monsters. That it was like a kid-friendly Saturday morning kind of angel monsters, mysterious angel monsters, and where to find them. <laughs> is the spinoff of the Bible? So, so uh, what what is your Bible knowledge? Like, how? practice uh, oh, slim to nil. Slim I know nothing. Nil. Okay, all right. Yeah, I, I'm a. Uh, I, I'm basically Slim to Nell, too. So, I I was actually getting, thinking of asking uh, Britt some more questions, but as soon as I mentioned, like, okay, so in the in the Bible, when they come back, if you're hit by a tire iron, it, it does, it does <laughs> just like, no, I, this isn't the Bible, Michael. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, there's one scene, though, that uh, before the autopsy is um, Simon coming down to this small town where a children's choir is singing Ave Maria at this uh, funeral. This uh, or not funeral, I suppose it'd be a, a wake, but uh, for this guy in military garb who we find as a colonel, and uh, he goes up to to his face and he he kisses him, and then we 
we're just kind of left not knowing what that is for the, the time being and then um and then you know the movie specifically focuses on this one woman who's a teacher and this one girl in particular who sees uh simon walking through the cemetery yeah that that's important later <laughs> I, yeah. that, that's probably good you brought that up yeah uh but yeah, we can get to that small town because that is where most of the movie is uh, takes place eventually. But before that, we are introduced to Christopher Walken as Gabriel, yeah. fallen angel. And what's your first impression of Christopher Walken when he finally shows up on screen? Uh, it's just everything that I, <laughs> that I hoped for. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's amazing. His 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 jet black hair kind of slicked back. Is is pale Christopher Walken face, uh, and he goes up and he licks a table when he goes into Thomas's apartment, and I just uh, I have a theory about Christopher Walken that um, when Christopher Walken is in uh, a, a a great movie, then Christopher Walken is great. When Christopher Walken is not in a great movie, then Christopher Walken is amazing. <laughs> and, um, yeah, at, at this point, kind of remains to be seen what uh, if Cro- the prophecy is a, a good movie or not. But Christopher Walken at this point is just from frame one uh, as Chris Walken as as all get out. So uh. yeah, he just looks like he's having fun. I can imagine so many other people totally. in this role who are who would play it very seriously and very brooding. Yeah, but he plays it very light, slightly comedic, very yeah. jokey, despite the fact that. He does all this sinister stuff throughout the movie. One of the first things we see him do after investigating the apartment where the angel fight happened is he recruits this uh, guy named Jerry, who's played by Adam Goldberg, who complains a lot. Big surprise. It's a big stretch for him. But this, this, this man who was going to commit suicide, and then Christopher Walken stops him and makes him his slave. And Jerry just wants to die, but... Um, Gabriel just makes him do all his dirty work. He makes him drive him everywhere because he says, like, I don't drive. <laughs> just all these, like, mundane tasks. And it's, like, it's so horrible that he's keeping this guy alive. But he's so, like, Gabriel's so just casual about it. And just like, yeah, yeah eventually. I'll let you die. Right after this. Right after this, I'll let you die. Yeah, and that's yeah. just, that dynamic just made me like the Gabriel character. Even though he's kind of the bad guy. I mean, he is a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. No. It made me like him even more. It's just, he was he's so God, yeah. interesting and so dark and... And, and thank God Christopher Walken played him. You know what I mean? Like, uh, can you imagine if it was just, like, if, if this movie were just kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, just any generic stock actor to be a, a bad guy in that role? Like, uh, Christopher Walken just imbues it with that sense of fun, <laughs> you know? And, and um, you know, like you were saying, like, he's he, you can't stop watching Gabriel. And, and uh, it, actually, let's talk for a moment. Like, what do you think of the cast of this movie? You know, I, I honestly, I thought the cast was pretty good. I feel like this material is probably a little cheesy. I mean, yeah, it is yeah, cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And with lesser <laughs> actors, it could have been so much worse. But Definitely. I was pretty impressed. Yeah, it, it's a, for one thing, it's a it's a bunch of people fresh off of uh, Pulp Fiction for, for some reason. there's Very <laughs> odd, yeah. Chris Walken, Stoltz, and Amanda Plummer, and... Uh, and yeah, and there's some great like uh, Adam Goldberg just a couple years after Dazed and Confused, and I I love Elias Cotius like he he's a great actor in in so many roles. I was actually reading his uh, AV Club random roles, um, and he's he was talked about the prophecy, and he said that he's actually kind of down on his performance in this one. Like he he like watches it now, and he's like, oh, I I, I really dropped the ball on that one, but. Um, 
I don't know. I I I, I was glad I was. <laughs> it's it's not like a fully fleshed out character, perhaps. But I mean, I again, it's like this is such a a great cast to to be given this kind of cheesy, uh, you know, you know, material. Yeah, I think he did the best. I think everybody did the best with what they were given. Yeah. I don't know how Christopher Walken made his character so great. He's just Christopher Walken. He's yeah. basically just playing Christopher Walken. Yeah, I don't think he had a script. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyways, everyone eventually ends up in Chimney Rock. Uh, Christopher Walken, Gabriel, he knows to go there because of this dark soul, uh, with this Colonel guy. And I believe Elias Codius is also drawn there because there was a newspaper clipping maybe in that Simon had or, or something about the death of this guy. And he knows uh, he he's learned from some research that there's in the prophecy, there's some dark soul that the angels are going to fight over. It'll give them power. Yeah. So everyone ends up in chimney rock. Eventually. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love it when he, when in voiceover, he's, he's saying the prophecy and it's like, the prophecy is like, oh, there will be a dark soul who will consume other dark souls and thus be their inheritor. I, I love it when a cheesy movie writes like an ancient <laughs> prophecy because it's always yeah. like a mad lib of and there shall be a thing. And that, <laughs> like just, same thing with like, uh, I, I don't know, there, there's a bunch of them, but I, I was for, for some reason that just made me laugh. I don't know. I was drinking throughout the entire movie because I thought <laughs> I, I was originally just going to watch all three in one sitting, but that didn't really work out. So I just kind of, I don't know, maybe overdid it with the first one, but first, I don't know, that made me laugh. That probably. Yeah. So it's at this point that we now know the reason Simon kissed or put his lips around this Colonel is because he was the bearer of this dark soul and he's trying to take the soul. He doesn't want Gabriel to get to it. But uh, somehow it has some side effects, or he starts getting really weak, and he starts dying from carrying this, and uh, he kind of collapses in this abandoned school, and that's where he befriends this this young girl who goes to uh, the uh, school that Virginia Madison teaches at, and at some point he passes the soul along to her, and then eventually Gabriel, he catches up with Simon, and he tortures him and burns him and all that fun stuff and so that's basically the end of uh Simon's end chapter. of simon yeah and that's a that whole giving getting the soul giving the soul to her that that just creeped me the fuck out man i i was i i, I was really just like that that immediately after that high of, of hearing that prophecy that kind of put me in a bad mood because i was like why why mr uh forgot the screenwriter's name already um Greg, gregory wyden yeah what did, yeah i don't know if, if you're gonna go with the okay the soul goes through the mouth thing i mean let's work way around it so that eric stoltz isn't like kissing this kissing like, a little kid yeah and I, i'm sure like i maybe i'm giving the benefit of the doubt but i'm sure that it wasn't like there was no i don't know like, intentional pedophilic uh, undertones there but that i don't know i was i was wicked out personally all right moving on. yeah so christopher walken knows it's in some kid so he starts like hanging out around the school and kind of hanging out with the kids in a really creepy but also weirdly innocent way and at some point i don't remember how <laughs> elias codius he becomes uh like he I, he meets up with virginia madsen and they kind of team up um somehow i guess because the burned angel was in the school and she works near there yeah, and, he goes to investigate that because the other body had uh, burnt up and whatnot. And he's, um, you know, or that's the 
you know, <laughs> uh, the story anyway. And um, he, yeah, talks to her about the goings on. Hey, let's so let's take a minute to talk about this soul that everyone's after. What did you think about the fact that? This movie establishes that there's a man who fought in the Korean War who is basically the most evil person who ever lived. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just the idea of it, the, the idea that there's this uh, guy on Earth who has the, the blackest soul that there is, I feel like that's uh, something that could have been its own movie, honestly. Like, there, there's something there, I think. Um, but then, yeah, I, for all the, the build-up, you know, you get that scene of him watching those uh, film reels, um, Elias Codius, uh, of his, the human sacrifices that he did in the... And I love that the reels are labeled evidence in, in big, uh, <laughs> big letters. Which but is, it was like, clue one. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so, which is helpful. And then he uh, puts them on, and I was kind of geared up for it to be, oh, this will be, like, really creepy, unnerving footage. And it's it's black and white footage of him with a, a bunch of corpses and, his, you know, this kind of war crime. Uh, it wasn't really quite as uh, creepy <laughs> as it could have been or probably as much as it needed to be to really sell this guy as the darkest soul ever. But, um, yeah, I, don't know. I, I can kind of roll with it in theory. What about you? I mean, I guess. It does seem a little ridiculous. Like, at this point in time is when the most evil person, like, existed. But, <laughs> I mean, I guess why is any other time any better? I don't know. Because, so... like, there are people with bigger body counts, you mean? Yeah, or, or or just I don't know. It seems convenient, but I don't know. Yeah, I guess. It, it was it was okay. I'll go with it. I, it, it was. It's easier that it, I don't know. It, it works. Let's just say it works. <laughs> it works okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh. So then, I mean, by the last uh, half of this movie, I feel like it's mostly just kind of uh, actiony thriller, cat and mouse. Eventually, we're introduced to another character which is very interesting which is actually uh lucifer himself vigo mortensen vigo mortensen i didn't i wasn't aware he was getting lead roles that early on and maybe it was one of his first lead roles uh it's yeah it's gotta be pretty early in his uh career anyway like what uh i don't know what had he done before he was in witness and he said he had no lines (laughs) well uh, no 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 uh carlito's way Okay, Carly's Way. Yeah, yeah. Carly's Way. Uh, Probably some other stuff. All right. Well, and here he, here he plays Lucifer. He's got a big beard, kind of a slick back, mullety kind of haircut. <laughs> He's looking very sharp as the devil. And he is actually against Gabriel. Uh, he doesn't want uh, Gabriel to have the soul because he feels like if Gabriel gets back into heaven, he'll turn it into the second hell. And there can only be one hell. There and can also, only be one is that what you just said? It's the Highlander screenwriter fucking saying repeating himself. <laughs> I didn't even realize it. There could, if only he'd said that. There could only be one. I'm sure he did, and it was like, all right, no, 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 <laughs> I can't keep go back to that well. But I think he also mentioned something about, oh, since this war's been going on, I haven't been able to get the souls I want. Souls haven't been able to get down into hell. So yeah. it's pretty weird at this point to find out that our heroes have, like. They they they're on the side of Satan basically. They're both against Gabriel at least. Yeah, like yeah. That was a very odd touch to throw in <laughs> Lucifer as a character. Do you think that worked, or do you think that was just ridiculous? I well, I think it works because it's ridiculous. Like at at this point in the movie, like this is a ridiculous story. Everything about <laughs> this is so absurd that 
Uh, when it gets to the point where, uh, you know, this cop on Earth has to team up with Satan to defeat uh, Gabriel as played by Christopher Walken, like, I'm totally, like, <laughs> I have to assume that it, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's aware of what it is. Like, I, I, I was on board with that because that's <laughs> just such a ridiculous and, and kind of entertaining premise that I, I was I was with it. And, and also an, another element that was kind of like that is uh gabriel's horn gabriel's trumpet being played by a kid uh on uh on the playground and it like mm-hmm. all it does is it breaks the window above them which like is it like is it judgment day now like is it uh but yeah no uh what did you think of it i mean at first i thought it was ridiculous but then i don't know i i liked the performance it was so like the perfect level of hammy yeah for me to kind of enjoy this nice little thing thrown in at the end because i feel like the last half of the movie it starts to drag a little bit okay it's 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 not as interesting for me it feels more kind of generic thriller yeah Uh, i feel like the pacing is is kind of sped up a little bit or it's just not as good so it was kind of nice to have that little the little cameo that little appearance there is stupid as it was i mean i think you're right it is appropriate considering this is a movie about angel wars (laughs) To throw sure. him in there. And I, I kind of like how there's the cheesy effect. Whenever he leaves a location, he, like, turns into this oh, this the murder of crows. <laughs> He's, he takes a few steps and goes, and these all these crows. How cool is that? Mm. You know, I don't remember how they took down Gabriel, if there was anything unique about it. They hit, I don't feel like there was. They hit him with a maybe. car, and then he hits him with a tire iron, and then uh, <laughs> Lucifer stops him, and he actually just kind of, you know... He, he tells Lucifer that, oh, you know, you fell from grace and, uh, or no, Gabriel says to Lucifer that he fell from grace and then, uh, Lucifer, uh, just says, uh, you know, you need to go home, which in this case is, you know, and then he rips out his heart and then, um, and then, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the tribal, tribal leaders, you know, this is, uh, that are are with the girl and are trying to exercise her um they're able to take out uh the colonel's soul and um uh, eliminate it from from this earth so it's a combination of uh lucifer stepping in and being a hero and uh a white director's idea of oh native american magic uh well that'll do it yeah Lucifer, Native Americans save the day. Yep. <laughs> I can get behind that. All right. And yet, yet after all this, after everything seems to be good, there was two sequels. I wonder how they they explained that. I don't know. I mean... Like, how does... Yeah? No, no I mean, like, if this is a movie in which uh, Gabriel can be expelled from, you know, heaven or, and whatnot, like, I don't think there's anything that can be final. Like, you know, angels can still fall and maybe demons can still rise because yeah yeah i suppose heaven and hell to kind of yeah yeah i guess we'll have to get to those ones another day though yeah let's just keep doing the randomizer hopefully at one point we'll hopefully we'll get the other prophecies again yeah even though we didn't technically get this one <laughs> yeah we'll get next time we'll get this one and then we'll do the third one that sounds like a plan yeah so at the end of the day you know, I'm coming home. I see there's a movie with Christopher Walken from the 90s with Angels. Like, should I watch this? Would you would you recommend this movie? Someone who's interested. Well, you know, 
if the question is uh when you see christopher walken angel movie uh do i watch it i'm like yeah i'll, I'll probably watch that because i you know how am i not gonna <laughs> at least watch christopher walken scenes um if you're asking do i recommend this movie you know there's a lot of things that elevate this material i think the cinematography throughout the movie is actually really good um i think christopher walken is at his most walkeny that viggo mortensen performance like you said is, is is really great but i i i just look at all those elements and i'm like god i wish this were a good movie <laughs> you know like what if all all that was going on and this was like a script that i liked and there was like a director behind it that, that was really utilizing all this to their fullest potential and um, as much as those pieces are in place and as much fun as I have with just watching Christopher Walken say that, oh, in heaven we eat all the ice cream you want, uh, I, I have to say no, I can't recommend this because it's, it's just, it doesn't, uh, do good on, on that, um, on that promise that that cast offers. So I, I would say no, honestly. I think I'd go with uh, a mild yes. I don't know. It's yeah. it's kind of – I just think it's fun. I can't think of any other movies with angels. I'm surprised any movie that would even attempt to tackle this subject would be even remotely entertaining. <laughs> so taking that into consideration, I think it's it's worth checking out if, if, you're, if you're interested in this kind of thing. And I, I, you know, I think it's not bad. I think I also have some nostalgia for it. I originally saw it back in the 90s. You know, it's a different time back then. We had movies like The Crow. Everyone's listening <laughs> to Nine Inch Nails. Right, yeah. and, and there's some nostalgia there, <laughs> so I think that's that's part of why I still kind of enjoy it, even though I know it's a bad movie. That's I, even though I know it's cheesy. So now I get that. a mild recommendation from me, <laughs> and that's the prophecy. So that's the prophecy, y'all. Check it out if you're just in a really walkin'y mood. <laughs> and when are you I not? Guess. Okay, so this goes on to the portion of our show where we recommend uh, things we've seen on streaming or just or just anywhere. Uh, I don't know if you have any recommendations off the top of your head, Michael. I have one. Okay. Well, you, you go ahead with yours. Okay. Follow. Well, I it's not that I watched it recently, but I just thought it would be appropriate. Uh, out here in Ellensburg, Washington, we have the. Uh, ellensburg film festival coming up or as i've been calling it i already know where this is going the craig t nelson film festival <laughs> so i'm gonna go ahead and recommend uh poltergeist i don't think it's streaming anywhere you can you can rent it yeah. off amazon instant for 2.99 i did that just a month or two ago for for whatever reason and watching it again it it does hold up it's a fun movie i i think one of my favorite things about it is it's so special Bergian, you know his 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 touches everywhere. He's the, uh, there's been controversy over whether or not he actually Spielberg directed, directed more yeah. of this movie than Toby Hooper did, and um, I don't know if that's true, but it certainly feels like a Spielberg movie. And the visual storytelling aspect uh, is great. The effects are, are fun. It's just a it's just a fun movie. I don't know if it's a great movie, but I. I had a good time, and they will be showing it at the Ellensburg Film Festival. And Poltergeist will be shown at the Ellensburg Film Festival, I think, what is it, the 4th, 5th, it's a Friday. It's free, so if you're in the central Washington area, hey, you know, you can go see Poltergeist for free in a small theater uh, at the college, and and Craig T. Nelson's going to be there. (laughs) He's going to drop by, (laughs) I guess, to... Try to, can you... 
if you, in your capacity as somebody involved in the festival, could you potentially uh, get Craig T. Nelson's information at least and propose the idea of appearing as a guest on this podcast? <laughs> you know, I I do have a little bit of sway. I could I could I could try. Um, I'm sure he doesn't come cheap. I it's my theory that the festival spent you know had probably had to spend a lot of money on him, so they may have not had the budget to get a lot of other films. I mean, aside from the the Craig T. Nelson films that we were, that we were showing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, if I hadn't already just watched Poltergeist like a month ago, I'd, I'd go. I'm very tempted. I'm a fan of the movie. I like to watch it close to Halloween time. Uh, check it out if you haven't seen it. Yeah. All right. Every uh, year around Halloween time, I watch Coach. Just the whole series of Coach. <laughs> it's scary how good it exactly. is. Exactly. <laughs> I left myself scared <laughs> somehow. Now, Michael, do you have a recommendation or, uh, yeah. or anything? Yeah. Um, as far as uh, somewhat uh, horror-related depictions of uh, Gabriel go, uh, there's a Twilight Zone episode that is really good called A Passage for Trumpet. And it's actually one of, um, one of the episodes of the series that isn't so... Um, uh, you wouldn't maybe immediately describe it as a, a horror uh, episode. It's actually uh, a bit of a drama and, and kind of bittersweet, actually. Um, but it's, it's a really good episode, and uh, it, it involves a non-Christopher Walken Gabriel, which immediately, you know, that, that's it's kind of a, a letdown. Um, and uh, it's a semi-well-regarded episode, I think. I don't know if it says uh, if it's seen as like a classic episode, but I've always really liked it, and it's. Got John Anderson as Gabe, who's a cool character actor from um, yesteryear, and uh, I don't know. It's uh, I recommend it for your Gabriel in uh, the present modern day on Earth needs this in the prophecy double feature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah see i wonder am i supposed to do that because every time I, I try yeah yeah i guess because totally and how appropriate to tie exactly. in once again <laughs> to the uh to the film we reviewed something that i have yet to do yeah i believe all of it I hope you do it, you I do whatever your heart was, tells uh, it's you it's a season one episode before it's ripped out by lucifer yeah i have a little bit yeah but yeah i think almost all the twilight zone is available on netflix or at least a big chunk of it Oh yeah, yeah. Gosh, yeah, yeah. I should marathon some of that. You ever seen the '80s Twilight Zone? <laughs> it's not bad. It's uh, Ooh. I actually watched one again recently, like a couple weeks ago. Oh, in, I'm so in my memory, like That's I really awesome. liked it as a kid. Um, this is not available on streaming, so if you want to go find this, I'm sorry. I think actually, on the hush hush, I think you can find it on YouTube. The episode I watched was one where Dan Hedaya plays the devil. <laughs> <laughs> um it's a card game and he's come to take someone's soul uh but he's gonna like play him for him and but the thing is like the devil oh, like wow. he can only draw like sixes or he like he draws a lot of sixes so eventually you know they're gonna try to play a game <laughs> to where they can kind of uh take him down Holy like that shit, and it's got that's like, amazing a phenomenal cast it's directed by wes craven i mean he was responsible for oh, bringing wow. the show back the 80s version and the cast is uh, morgan yeah. freeman 
a Barney Martin from Seinfeld, Garrett Morris, and M. Emmett Walsh. <laughs> it's kind of cheesy, but it's also very fun. Uh, so I guess technically I can recommend that as well because it's on YouTube. And there's some other great some great episodes of that show. It was never quite as good as the 50s version, but uh, it was, it was kind of fun. So if you have access to any of those, I'd recommend check out, checking them out. That episode's called Dealer's Choice. Uh, Dan Hedaya and M. Emmett Walsh, so they're the reason to watch it. They're they're great in that. Yeah, so, what a great cast. So. Yeah, maybe maybe sometime we'll just have to do like a Twilight Zone episode, all Twilight Zone stuff. <laughs> uh, Who knows? Yeah, no. Uh, this is normally the portion of the show where we spin the Netflix randomizer, but uh, I was talking to Michael about how I was doing Shocktober for Mildly Pleased. And weighing the possibility of maybe doing one of the films I was going to review for Shocktober, doing it on the podcast, reviewing it. Uh, I think we were talking about Shivers as one that sounded kind of interesting. Shivers being the debut horror film from David Cronenberg from 1975. So that may be what you see next. Uh, I'd say it's the front runner unless something else catches our fancy. I'm very excited to see where David Cronenberg all started out. I mean, he's one of those few horror guys that's still going. Yeah, yeah. I think it's probably because he doesn't do those kind of <laughs> movies anymore. Yeah, no, unless uh, you consider, like, Cosmopolis to be horror. He had a movie come out recently, didn't he, this year? Yeah. Map to the Stars? Yeah, Map to the Stars. Oh. Um, actually, I, I don't even know if, that, if that's... Um, had a theatrical release in the states yet has it i don't know i don't even know if it's supposed to be good but uh it's interesting that he's still he's still going at it with unique sounding movies i hear uh, julianne moore is supposed to be really good in it like she got yeah i heard that too yeah so you know he's still out there uh doing interesting projects and it, you know it might be interesting to check out the the first thing he ever did so so we'll see um, but until then, you can check out this podcast on iTunes by searching either Stream Police or Mildly Pleased. You can also find this podcast on MildlyPleased.com. We also have a Stream Police Tumblr, which I don't know if ever gets posted on. Sometimes. It's there. <laughs> so it, it exists. I don't know. It exists. Yeah. We're, we're working on it, and I really do want to take it more seriously, and I'll update it as soon as possible. There you have it, and until then, adios. Happy, happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween.